And life is worth the living just because he lives. Amen. If you're safe, say amen tonight. Can we turn to 1 Peter chapter 1 and John chapter 6? 1 Peter chapter 1 and John chapter 6. Amen. Tonight is a continuation of this morning's message. And, and, and <laughs> fun fact, both messages are not where I was trying to get to when I started studying. This is just how it ended up, amen, and I'm thankful for it. Amen. For some reason, Christ came to suffer in the flesh, to die for the sins of all mankind for more than, I don't know, 80 billion, 117 billion, whatever the number is. Uh, that's a lot of people that Christ died for. And there's a lot more to come if the Lord stays his coming. Amen. First Peter 1.18 says, For as much as ye know that ye, are, that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received uh, by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who is verily foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. It was of Jesus Christ. It was of nothing else corruptible. Amen. I mentioned it this morning, but I would never build something or make something that would cause me such pain. Or cause me to have to kill myself, to suffer and torture myself, or to send my only son to, to be tortured and die. Amen. I would never do that. I think if we were honest with ourselves, nobody in here would. Yet for some reason, God did that very thing for us. I don't know if all of eternity we have, will have the capability to understand that in our new resurrected bodies. We might. We might be able to understand why he did it. I hope we do. But we may not be at that level we ever do. And that's okay. It's okay, amen. I'm, I'm so glad we serve a God that loves us enough to die for us. Amen. Mr. Noah, would you pray for this message as you get into it, sir? Sometimes people with good intentions will do something that is um, awful. Uh, sometimes people will um, help paint at the church, and they're like the worst painter on the planet, and they're making a bigger job for everybody. Um, uh, you know, there's been, I've been part of churches where people take turns cleaning the church, and we, we would be one of those people, and, and thank God for that. That's a wonderful thing, and that is great in principle. But here's a problem that happens, and here's a reality that we don't think of until it happens. When people are doing something out of love for that, what do you do when the Wilsons clean the church because it's their turn that week, and they did a horrible job? Well, they're not getting paid to do it. They did it for a labor of love. We should be thankful for what they did. But here's a problem. <laughs> We're coming in to preach in the morning, and everything's all messy, right? That's awful. People have great intentions, but it doesn't always work out. Amen. Um, I remember my brother, and I was, I might have been Wyatt's age, a hair older maybe, but um, my brother was head of college and career for years before he became a youth pastor at another church, but he put on a big, big thing at a prayer, um, and it was like, the college and career, Jen, were you there when they did that big, they, they, they had all the tables all across, and 
It was one of those things where they lift up the, the blankets and, you know, there's a head underneath one of them. You weren't there for that? Um, put in weeks and weeks of work, and they had lights, and they had a whole thing, and it was like a big game show that you come to. They're doing a youth rally, and it was, it was awesome. It was awesome. Nobody showed up. I don't think 15 people were there. And it's an auditorium that's like, I don't even know. What's that prayer sit? 600? Uh, well, with the top, it used to, maybe not. But like, like way bigger than our church, right? Nobody was there. Here's what happened. Here's the reality of what happened. Um, my brother was doing a college career, and somebody else said, you know what? I got a lot of connections. I'll call all these other churches for you, and I'll do the marketing for the youth rally. He did none of that. I mean, not one phone call. Not one phone call went out. So nobody showed up. That guy felt really bad, too. Uh, but nonetheless, my, anyways, my brother, he, they ended up doing a wonderful job. Uh, it, was, it was a great youth rally. Like we, I, we had a video of it. We would watch it so many times because it was so wonderful. But, but people with good intentions don't always come through. Um, if somebody was to pick a wife for me, <laughs> I'd say, no, I'll do it myself. Even with the best of intentions, I would rather, uh, <laughs> I would rather pick out my own wife because it's way too important. Now, picture an almighty, perfect God who's absolutely perfect. And he's going to send his son to die for the sins of all mankind. You don't want to just send anybody to do that job. He literally sent his son, part of the Godhead, amen. And I've been pondering this as I've been studying for this message. And I don't think that our brains can comprehend the depth of that. At least mine can't. A perfect God can have zero imperfections, otherwise he's not God. If Jesus were to sin one time, what kind of a God would we serve then? Jesus represented God because he is God. Amen. Look at John chapter 6, verse 38. Jesus said, For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that, that of all which he hath given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. If Jesus were to sin on earth, I don't think we could understand the ramifications of what would then ensue. I, I, I think that, um, number one, mankind wouldn't have a savior. That's major. We would all die in our sins. And then if Jesus sinned, what would be his salvation? I mean, we can't even understand that. I mean, one, one it's not possible. Let's just get that out of the way. But, but, but. If he were to sin, if he were to allow sin in his life, if he were to succumb to temptation, if he were to give it in to Satan all those times, what's the ramifications of that? That's a deep thought. We can't even think about that because it's not possible. But my, oh, my. 
There was a lot on Jesus' shoulders that we can't even fathom. If God and Jesus are one and the same, and then Jesus sinned, that would make God imperfect, and we know that God is not imperfect. In the same way, I said all that to get to here, in the same way, if we found an imperfection in the word of God, well, Jesus is the word, one and the same. That would be an imperfect God, an imperfect Jesus. I'm so thankful that we have an, I almost said an imperfect, that we have a perfect Bible, infallible, inspired, amen, inerrant. I'm thankful for it. I hit that pretty hard this morning. Jesus is the word, amen. And I think that at some point or another, when we're studying the word of God or we're pondering things of the word of God, that we wish that there was more written about certain things. Um, right, uh, Mary and Joseph. Wow, I'd love to just sit and have conversations with them. Can you imagine what they could write, what they could have written about the stories of baby Jesus? Um, you know, it's like, what was his personality like? You know, uh, he never sinned. You know, what? we can't understand that. That doesn't even make sense. Um, you know, how about... Uh, David, the stories running from Saul for all them years, uh, sneaking up, sneaking up on Saul in the cave. Amen. That would have been what a story to tell when he snuck up on Paul or on, on Saul while he was sleeping and he cut a hem of his garment off. <laughs> oh, that would be amazing to hear that. I think we will one day. What about John the Baptist? What a weird character in Scripture. I mean, what? I mean, nobody like him. Nobody. I think Scripture even verbatim used the word, there's not a man like John or something along those lines. Um, John the Baptist, there's not much at all written about him. The truth is God gave us what he wants us to have, what we could handle. And, and the reality is if God were, I, I would, I'm speculating, but I feel strongly about this. That if God were to give us all those details, like, you know, if Jesus wore his favorite blanket was red, well, all of a sudden we'd make a cult out of that. You know, we, well, if, you're, if you wear red, then you're more spiritual, right? Uh, 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 well, John the, uh, I said Revelator. Did I say Revelator earlier? If John the Baptist lived in the desert, well, then we have to live in the desert like he did. Well, that's in Scripture. If John the Baptist, uh, uh, I don't know, anything, we would have to do it just like him, amen. we come up with something. Something, amen. In anything with Christ, we see, you know, whatever he did as a teenager, whatever his likes and dislikes were, we would make religions out of that and emulate that, and it would, it would be wrong. It would be wrong, and it would take away from his purpose, amen. Even though I'd love to read about it. Oh, it'd be a good read, amen, uh, amen. But we're given information about Jesus' birth and his death, really. Really, in his resurrection, obviously. Um, aside from when he was 12 years old, we have this story. Um, amen. And in the given history that we have, there was a measure of maturing that happened in the life of Jesus. And, and it sounds almost wrong to say because 
He's, all, he's 100% God and 100% man. But there was a measure of maturing in the life of Jesus. Uh, and to be very clear on, to anybody in internet land that wants to make a meme out of that before I explain myself, I do not mean like I've heard some other preachers recently on, online say that um, um, Jesus had to learn not to be a bigot and learn not to be a racist. That is absolutely uh, antichrist and unbiblical because there was no sin found in him. He was 100% God and 100% man. But there was a measure of maturing. And, and look at Luke chapter 2, verse 52. Luke 2, 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. I do not understand that. <laughs> I do not understand that. But I believe it because that's exactly what the word of God says. I don't really understand how he could be 100% God and 100% man. I don't understand it. I don't understand how, how he didn't come out of the womb uh, uh, speaking scripture. He's 100% God and 100% man. But yet he allowed himself to be humbled as a man and grow up from a baby. A baby. Yet God put himself in that position even though if there was one mistake made, it would all be for naught. If there was one mistake made, it would now be an imperfect God, an imperfect Savior, imperfect salvation. Amen. I'll never forget me and Rachel. We left the church service one time. We were looking for a church, and I don't know, we had one baby or two babies. Uh, we've got four babies still, just to be clear. Um, Amen. Um, but we went to this church, and it was a Baptist church, and it wasn't far from where we lived at the time. And I didn't know nothing about it, but we went there, and we go in the church. Um, we walked in right as it was starting. I think the song service was already going on, and um, there was drums on the platform. I was like, ah, you know, strike one for me. Uh, such a turnoff. I mean, we can have a debate about that, you know. I, I've had drums twice in a church where I was okay with it. One was electric drum, and the other one was at uh, Rutman's church down in Florida. He had a, a snare drum with the, with the band, and it went good with everything. And he was very, like, quiet. He didn't overpower. I'm not against drums, but I don't like them ever, ever, ever. <laughs> Amen. Uh, but strike one, there's drums on the, pulpit, in the platform. I was like, ah, you know, okay. Because we know there's a lot of things that go with that. Let's just be honest. Then he mentioned God's elect a couple of times, strike two. Now keep in mind, we haven't even, like, this is the song service and announcements. We haven't even, like, taken up the offering yet. And then right before taking up the offering, he mentioned that Jesus was only 50% God and 50% man. And then he was like, and let's pray to take up the offering. I whispered to Rachel, I was like, let's just go. Right. Like, we're not going to go here. Like, I can't, you know, I, I just can't. Amen. Look at Luke chapter 2, verse 41. This is, uh, we see Luke 2:52, but let's jump back in the story a little bit. Luke 2:41. this is when Jesus was 12 years old. It says, now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. <clears throat> and when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. So here, Jesus is 12. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph, his mother, knew not of it. Uh, and I would, yeah, we get to hear that story too from Mary's point of view, and that that'd be great. 
It's going to be great. Amen. <clears throat> Where was I? Uh, verse 44. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So Jesus is 12 years old and he goes off on his own, separate from his parents. I can't read this and not ever think about how... So, so, so Jesus was there three days. That means, right, logically speaking, they must have went about a day and a half journey away before they realized they didn't have Jesus, you know, the Son of God, that the God of all creation was like, hey, take care of him for me. Probably a bad feeling. I can't, the closest that we've ever come to that, well, twice, but was we were going to a NASCAR race, which I'm not into NASCAR, but we had a good time. And it was our company, and we had these, like, badge things around our necks. And, and we're going in, Wyatt's a little guy, and, and we're each holding his hand. Rachel's holding his hand, I'm holding his hand. And we're walking through the gate, tons of people. But we're good parents. We got his hands, right? We got this. We get up to the gate, and then they need to see our credentials. We both let go of his hand to, to the opposite ends to give our credentials. And then... Wyatt just kept walking, and we are like, wait, what? And I don't know, Rachel, if it was three minutes or 20 seconds, but it felt like eternity. We were yelling and screaming and causing a big scene, but it didn't matter because all I know that Wyatt disappeared, and we, didn't, we couldn't figure out how that happened because that seemed impossible. We were like good parents. Amen. Happened one other time when we were working on the Wayne house in between renters and uh, uh, it gets dark, and we realize Noah's not around. Not around, not around. I'm driving up and down all the streets calling his name. Uh, 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 I Maybe a half hour, like we're talking a long time. I can't find him. I'm, I'm carrying, by the way. I'm ready, to, I, I'm ready to do something. And um, I'm thinking in my brain, like, maybe I'll go house to house and break in and see if he's there. Like, I'm thinking these things. Like, I'm going to do, I'm going to find him no matter what. And I see him. Driving by, I see his head in the window of a house. And it's a guy that we kind of know, but I stopped in the street. I didn't know I, clo- I closed my door. My p- car was in the street. I ran in a house, and, and I hope it was unlocked because I, like, like, plowed through the door. And I didn't pull my gun, but I was ready to kill somebody. And they were all scared. It was an older couple. And just know, just looking at me like, you know. Uh, it's a bad feeling. Amen. That was a long way to say that. I sh- wonder how Mary and Joseph felt, you know. Noah's not the son of God by far. <laughs> Amen. 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 But here's, here's some, just a little bit of speculation, okay? Just some speculation, just some food for thought. Jesus is now 12, okay? How do we know that scripture says that he is? In Judaism, when you're 12 or 13, you have what... We, they call a bar mitzvah, right? And, and that's really when at an age where now you, you're, you're responsible for your own decisions, specifically. We always hear that's when you become a man. Well, that's, that's what that boy always, that's what, you know, the Jewish kids say. That's when you become a man or a lady. You know, they have a bat mitzvah. 
I'm saying that right? It's like, you know, but really that's more like the kids will say it from that point of view. From the adult point of view, it's when, the, when they're responsible for their own decisions. Not necessarily when you become a man. Amen. Um, amen. Um, so, so, so you have two things. I'm speculating. I'm just talking out loud here. You have two things coming together. You got Jesus now at the age where he's able to make his own decisions, but yet he's still the son of God, right? He can't just go out and do whatever he wants. He's still under the authority of his parents. But seemingly, I'm just speculating. The Bible doesn't say this. Seemingly, he went off by himself because he was allowed to. I'm guessing because he was of age. I'm just guessing. And I'm just guessing, total speculation. I can't stand it when preachers give their opinion and make that doctrine. It drives me crazy. But just speculating, Joseph and Mary never had a problem with Jesus. So the, I'm sure they were not worried because he, he would have always obeyed, always been with family, always, you know, not that he, you know. Uh, so they weren't worried about where he was. I'm speculating. They were probably not worried about where he was going, who he was with, who he was hanging with. was probably not even really much of a thought because he's been so good for 12 years. I'm just speculating. A lot of justification for that, amen, but speculating nonetheless. Um, and, and that's, <laughs> I could just see Jesus uh, You know, huh? I'm gonna go listen to these guys. Here they got to say, you know, ask some questions and doing nothing wrong. Uh, But uh, children, let your parents know where you are at all times. Amen. For all we know, that it was it was an aunt and uncle that was supposed to be watching him, and he didn't. Amen. But um, but I want to point something out. Did you notice that? He was not obnoxious with his wisdom, let alone his position as being God. Look at verse 46. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple. Look at this. Sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. He wasn't standing over them. He was sitting there. He wasn't uh, 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 telling them how to do things. He was hearing them, and also asking questions. Jesus wasn't showing off his knowledge or being a braggart. He was respectfully sitting, he was listening, he was asking questions. What a testimony to all of us, let alone children. Just, just listen. You can ask questions, but don't... don't. You, you know what people do? Um, one, when they find out you're a Christian at church, they, they want to like impress you with their Bible knowledge. But especially when they find out you're a pastor, it's like, oh, man, they become so spiritual all of a sudden. They just want to say all the church words that they can think of, right? But if we, boy, there's so much wisdom in just not talking, just listening. Wisdom. We got a whole lot of talkers that just talk, talk, talk. We need more listening. Amen. Spirit of debate is actually sin. We're so quick to argue and debate over every little thing that we know when we want to argue about this and debate about this. That is not scriptural. Yeah. Look at Romans chapter 1, verse 29. Romans chapter 1, verse 29 says, being filled with all unrighteousness. Now, keep in mind, this is a list of awful, awful things. Awful things that you'll see is worthy of death. Woo! That's, that's, pretty, that's pretty harsh, isn't it? Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, uh, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder. Look at this. Debate. 
Let's keep going. Deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despite, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. You say, well, worthy of death, Pastor, that's just going too far. We only think that because we are sinners. That's the only reason we think that. We don't even, we can't even understand how great the offense of sin is to an almighty God, even the smallest sin, just because we're used to it, because we're born into it, right? A murderer will have sympathy with the murderer. A sinner will have sympathy with the sinner, amen? Sin is always against God. Well, it's just a little white lie. Sin is always against God. Well, it, it wasn't so bad because he, he didn't want to hurt their fear. Sin is always against God, period. That's what sin is. Amen. You say, I don't understand that. Selling, sin is telling God that he is less than who he is. And in, in, in having a spirit of, the, of debate is absolutely rooted in rebellion. And rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. Probably turned there already, didn't you? First Samuel fifteen twenty three. Just look at the first part. For for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Well, that's really harsh words. I mean, you know, you know, rebellion isn't like witchcraft, and stubbornness isn't really like idolatry. Actually, it is. We just want to justify it because we are stubborn and we debate and. We practice idolatry even on the smallest sense. Amen. You say, well, Pastor, why are you pointing all this out? Because Jesus didn't go to the temple to debate with those wise men. Not at all. He went to sit and learn and listen. Jesus didn't go to to expound on his great knowledge. He went there to learn. Jesus literally knew no sin. I can't imagine, literally, a person, let alone a child, that knew no sin. I can't imagine that. I, I would have loved to experience the disposition of Jesus. The closest thing I think we can think of is somebody that has studied in their Bible. They have... They have a peace that passes all understanding. They, 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 they rely on God so well. Um, they, they have so much character. Um, I mean, we can't imagine a sinless person in the flesh. We can't. But, but can you imagine the character? I can't. I try to. I try to. I know what it's like when somebody's, and you can tell, when somebody's right with God. And when they're not, you can tell when somebody's reading and praying. And when they're, not. I mean, you just you can just tell, unless you're not reading and praying. And if your heart's not right, then then you won't see it. Uh, you just won't. But but boy, to imagine a child and a teenager and a man that literally had no sin. You're probably there. Second Corinthians five twenty one says, "For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin." That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. 
Can I just point out that Jesus knew no sin? You say, Pastor, we know that. Well, can I point something else out? Go to 1 Peter 2.21. 1 Peter 2.21. We're almost done tonight. Turn to a couple of scriptures and we'll be done. Jesus knew no sin. 1 Peter 2.21 says, For even hereunto where ye are... Where were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps, who did no sin. Neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye, are, ye were healed." Who just noticed specifically that Jesus did no sin. Jesus knew no sin. Jesus did no sin. Turn to one more. One more verse. 1 John 3, 4. 1 John 3, 4. It says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins. Look at this. And in him is no sin. You say, what does that mean? It means that Jesus had no sin in him. Jesus knew no sin. Jesus did no sin. Jesus had no sin. God didn't put the scriptures in here haphazardly. He put these words in specifically. He purposely laid them out for us to study. And there is absolutely no question that Jesus was sinless. Uh, (laughs) That Jesus was sinless, that God was and is and will always be sinless. This isn't new news that the world's never heard of. It's just news that the world chooses to ignore. Every man chooses to ignore it if he's not saved. Pilate found no fault in him. John 19.4. Pilate's wife said that, she was, that Jesus was a just man. Matthew 27.19. Judas said that he betrayed innocent blood. Talking about Judas himself betrayed Jesus. Matthew 27.19. The dying thief said that Jesus did nothing amiss. Luke 23, 41. The Roman centurion said, certainly, this was a righteous man. This morning, we went to the verse where Jesus asked the question in Matthew 22, said, where Jesus said, what think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? And the answer is the Savior of all mankind. Without a doubt. He's the son of God. He, he was and is perfect. Even his enemies could find no fault in him. None of them. I mean, I mean, it is not hard to find dirt on any politician or any person for that matter. We all have dirt on us. Every one of us. They couldn't find anything on Jesus. And I, you know they had the best in all the world to try to find anything. You know, they, 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 they had to come up with stuff. Remember with Paul? They did that all the time. They had to come up with stuff for Paul. Amen. Amen. Why could they find no fault in him? Because Jesus knew no sin. Jesus actively did no sin. And Jesus had no sin. 
from her precious little baby to a man of 33. There is no sin ever found in him. And still to this day, he is still a perfect, precious Lamb of God in heaven. He's the mediator of us, all mankind. He's literally the one that, that shed his blood, that covered the sins of all mankind. And I am so thankful for that, that he was sinless. He is sinless and he will always be.